We believe in people and their stories and their ability to inspire and change the world. Believing this means we transform our lives, our communities, and the world by doing good. Welcome to the Highlands Ranch Lone Tree Advice Givers, Transformation Realties Podcast, and I am Doug Osnes. It is our deepest desire to introduce you to those local advice givers who are the day-to-day world changers, the champions, and those who in their own way are transforming lives, communities, and the world by doing good. Today's guest is Rob Unger, who was in the corporate world as a professional for 27 years, starting his career with IBM and working with the Summit Group and Cyber and subsequent organizations until in 2007, his life changed dramatically. In that September 2007, Rob became the CEO of Rachel's Challenge, a nonprofit whose mission is to help schools become safer by being more connected. Rachel's Challenge is based on the life and the writings of Rachel Joy Scott, the first person who was killed in the Columbine High School shootings. Rachel's Challenge changes lives and creates a safer learning environment. And under Rob's leadership, Rachel's Challenge annual budget has grown from $2.7 million to over $6 million a year. Rob is a former member of the Colorado chapter of the Young Presidents Organization and is currently a member of the Rocky Mountain chapter of YPO Gold. He has served on a variety of businesses and charitable boards. Rob graduated magna cum laude from Central Michigan University in 1980 with a B.S. in Business Administration, a minor in Economics. He lives in Highlands Ranch, Colorado with his wife of 35 years, Lee. He has three adult children, Kellen, Michael, and Rob, and nine grandchildren to date. Rob, thanks for time today and coming and hanging out with us here in studio. It's my pleasure. Well, it's good to, good to have you. Uh, Rob, as you heard in his intro, uh, is CEO of an organization called Rachel's Challenge. And want to start there today because, uh, believe it or not, last Friday, the 20th, was the 19th anniversary. 19 years ago, uh, an event occurred that has changed our uh, country and our uh, world in uh, many dramatic ways. Um, and Rachel's Challenge has changed the world in a lot of dramatic ways, and it's the kind of the beauty of a story that's come out of tragedy. So um, let's just start there. Rob, what, what was last Friday's anniversary all about? Well, it was. it's hard to believe it's been 19 years since uh, Columbine happened, but... Um Rachel Scott was a pretty normal 17-year-old uh, in a lot of ways, but she was also uh, remarkable in a number of ways. And she left her family um, six diaries and a bunch of other writings. And um, after the tragedy, uh, students started coming to the family and telling them story after story after story about how Rachel had deliberately reached out with kindness to them mm-hmm. and made a huge difference in their lives. Mm-hmm. And Daryl got a chance shortly after the Columbine uh, tragedy happened to speak before a subcommittee in Congress on school violence, and uh, his conversation went viral, and he got a chance to start speaking to a lot of people, and pretty pretty soon learned that just telling Rachel's story, what she had done, deliberately reaching out, had made a huge difference in a lot of students' lives yeah. at Columbine so, and other places. And so, just uh, it's interesting as we even think about the, the the timing. You and I, when we were talking on the phone recently, there's some people. Uh, young adults who have no they were they were they weren't even born when Columbine happened. So um, it's it's to one extent it's amazing how quickly some things just kind of mm-hmm. slip away in history books. But Rachel was actually one of the students who was killed at Columbine at the high school shooting, uh, which is kind of. Uh, unfortunately, has been a marker of many school shootings that have occurred since that time. So that's who we're talking about with Rachel Scott. She was actually one of the victims of the Columbine High School massacre. Yeah, she was in fact the first victim. And it is interesting that um, we are not we're in schools. Rachel's Challenge is the organization that Daryl's family star, or that Rachel's family started. Daryl, yes. her dad Daryl, and stepmom Sandy started. 
And we've been in schools since uh, 2001 or so, um, been in front of 25 million people over wow. that time frame. But Rachel was the first person killed. And I mentioned her diaries. In one of her diaries, in a in a essay that she wrote just about a month before she was killed, she wrote, uh, I have this theory that if one person will go out of their way to show compassion, then it'll start a chain reaction of the same, and people will never know how far a little kindness will go. How far and a little kindness, a little will, kindness go. will go. That's awesome. And so we use that as the basis for everything that we do when we're talking to students around the world. Really, we were in all 50 states. We did a bunch in Mexico this year. We were in Bermuda. We've been in Canada. We've been in China and Turkey, a lot of different places. But if you think about that statement she made, if one person, so yes, um, you and I make a difference. Everybody can make a difference in their sphere of influence. We'll go out of their way. So we aren't talking about random acts of kindness. We're talking mm. about deliberate mm. acts of kindness, being intentional to show compassion and not just feel it for other people, but actually show it. If one person will go out of their way to show compassion, it'll make a huge difference. Um, and she had no idea how far that chain of kindness went, but here we sit 19 years later, and we're still talking about it. And like I said, 25 million people around the world have heard her story in live settings. So it's it's really remarkable. Man, yeah. It, it is remarkable. And it, it's, it's an interesting uh, to be able to interview you today. With our with our goal as a, as a real estate business here, our goal is to transform lives, communities in the world by doing good. And here, uh, something that was such a tragedy, such a such a, a challenge. I, I lived in the neighborhood. I didn't have any kids that were at Columbine at the time, but uh, I lived through that. I remember coming out of a meeting that uh, we were in, and there were helicopters buzzing, and we'd had our phones off for this meeting. Didn't know what was going on, so we got on the radio. We had to rush over and pick up our junior high age kids that were in lockdown in the schools and campuses around there. So, but something that was such a a marker, something that was such a, an element of evil that good could come out. That's what we're going to be talking about today and celebrating that uh, the good that can come out of even extreme tragedy that uh, people can go through in life. Uh, it does make me think about the fact that, and we're going to come back to the story here in a minute, but the fact that I talk to people about your your mission in life, your big why, your driver, your passion is often a gift that you have for the world is buried just under your greatest pain. And that's a, a great example. This is the Scott family Absolutely. and how this and, uh, unimaginable pain of losing a child in that way um, could then be taken and turned for good, though, um, and to impact the world in such a significant way. Let's talk a little bit about your story before we get back in that. What kind of connected with you to you were you were in business at the time and looking for another opportunity and all of a sudden now you're the CEO of Rachel's Challenge. Yeah, it's been a while, too. I, I, I remember Columbine happening as well. I, I lived here in town. I'm a, I'm a business guy. I spent 27 years either in corporate America or starting and growing business or selling businesses. So I've been around it for a long time. And I was on my way to a brand new business that we had just started when Columbine happened. And I remember I had kids in school. Yeah. I had a daughter the yeah. same age. I have a daughter the same age. And I remember sitting in the parking lot and just listening for hours to the radio coverage because I was in such shock when, yes. when that happened. So I was moved by the by the tragedy, like we all were, I think, because of we we had to think about um, are our kids safe in school and and what are we doing to 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 make a difference, right? Just right. like you were just talking about. But uh, for me, I had a business partner, uh, and he and I were trying to buy a business here in town, and. Uh, uh, he entered uh, that business that didn't happen, unfortunately, or fortunately, I suppose, in retrospect. Yes. But we were really excited about buying this business. It ended up not happening. 
And he happened to be the um, chairman of the board of Rachel's Challenge at the time. So he and I were sitting on my back porch and talking about what we were going to do next. You know, um, what what are we going to do? And he said, well, I'm on the board of Rachel's Challenge, and they uh, are looking for somebody to come on and help them with the business side of the organization. And I said, well, you know, I'd love to meet him. I'd heard I'd heard Daryl speak before, so I knew the story, and I was moved by it as a just as a human being, but also as a parent yes. and as a business person, quite frankly, because I think we as business people do have a responsibility to create a safe and connected environment for the people that work with us and work for us. Um, so uh, he introduced me to Daryl, and, and um, uh, we got along re- really well. I, there's a funny story I can tell if you if you care to about yeah, how go we ahead. met. Um, we, uh, we, we met over the phone, so we talked a little bit over the phone, and then we were going to go have lunch. So um, we decided we were going to have lunch at a restaurant that was on a corner. Uh, there was a Chili's on one corner and Applebee's on the other corner. I went to Chili's at noon to meet Daryl for lunch, and, you know, 12.10 he wasn't there, 12.15 he wasn't there, 12.20 he wasn't. I'm thinking, this guy stood me up. So finally I just gave him a phone call and said, hey, Daryl, where are you? He goes, I'm sitting at the restaurant waiting for you. And I said, I've been all around this restaurant. You are not here. I said, where are you? He said, I'm at the Applebee's, which was across across the street street from the Chili's. (laughs) um, But during that conversation, that lunch that day, um, uh, Daryl was telling me about what they were doing and telling me about Rachel and telling me about Rachel's challenge. And and at one point I just stopped them and said, Daryl, this is none of my business. And you don't have to answer this because you don't know me. And but how do you do this every day? How, how do you day after day after day go out wow. and, and yes. relive this wow. event, right? And tell this story about your daughter. And he just looked at me, and very very simply just said, "How can I not?" Mm. And honestly, that's all I needed to know about the uh, integrity and the purity of what he was trying to accomplish as an organization with Rachel's story. So I went, I came, went on board. I honestly believed it was going to be a 24-month kind of thing where I would go in, help him get some stuff going, and then I'd be off on my next business deal. And After, it's been how long? It's been 10 years. 10 years? It's been 10 years now. So I fell in love with the mission. And I fell in love with the impact that it's having. And, um, you know, I tell people all the time that we are creating equity, but it's not financial equity. It's social equity that mm. we're creating. So, um, yes, yeah, so that uh, the mission, how, how would you frame that? That's probably part of it right there, I know. But what's the yeah, mission? Yeah, the right? mission really simply stated the mission, mission is helping schools become safer and more connected. And we do that by sharing Rachel's story to students and educators. So what we're really doing is trying to help um, – students understand themselves and respect themselves and then understand and respect others, especially those that are different from them, and then help the school create a culture in the school that is therefore safer and more connected, which makes learning easier and helps prevent bullying, harassment, isolation, and violence. So a tremendous, tremendous mission, tremendous global uh, vision. Rachel was a unique young lady in the way that she did that. Um, Absolutely. So tell, tell a little bit about her. Well, I started to tell a little bit about her before. Like I said, she was a pretty normal 17-year-old, um, remarkable in a lot of ways in that I don't know any other way to describe it than that she was sort of an old soul. Uh, and like I said, she left six diaries and a bunch of other writings with her family. And those writings really are the basis for everything that we do at Rachel's Challenge. So all of the programs that we have, we have 20 different programs. Mm. We do kindergarten through 12th grade. We also do college programs, and we do some corporate training. 20 different programs 20 different that came programs. out of the diaries, basically the life, the culture, the character right. of this 17-year-old yeah. young woman. Yeah, I'll give, and I'll give you an example. Um, there was a young lady named Amber who was brand new at, at Columbine. Um, about a year before Rachel was killed, and, and, and Amber had 
moved there from Atlanta. She was new at school. She it was her first day at school. Um, nobody was making eye contact with her. Nobody was talking to her. She felt really alone. She went down to the cafeteria at lunchtime, and she went over to a group of girls to, and asked them if she could sit at their table, and they, they told her no. They said, mm. yeah, you're the new kid, you know, started right. making fun of her. So she went and sat by herself. And Rachel was sitting a couple tables over and saw, Am- saw all of this happen and then saw Amber sitting by herself. And she got up and went over and asked Amber if she could have lunch with her. And Amber, said, Amber told the Scott family shortly after the funeral that my worst day at school became one of my better days at school <laughs> because one person went out of their way to show me a little bit of kindness. One person. So really that different. was the story of Rachel, and she did it time and time and time again. And, and um, you know, to be perfectly honest with you, if it hadn't been for the Columbine tragedy, her family would have never heard all of these stories because students started telling them after, at the funeral and afterwards in, in cards and letters and emails and in person all these little stories. And we use these little stories as the basis for the programming that we do. So we we challenge students to look for the best in others, to dream big, to um, start their own chain reaction, and, and a handful of other things. So, And there were a couple of, uh, was it categories you were telling me, or people that she intentionally watched for to be kind to? That's, a, that's absolutely right. In her diary, she wrote, she wrote I, I want to I reach out to those students that are new at school because they don't have any friends yet. I want to reach out to the, those students that have special needs because kids pick on them and put them down, and then I want to reach out to those students that don't have any friends, so the, the fringe kids. And she deliberately did that. And like I was saying, Amber is one example. There's many other examples of students that came and said, hey, Rachel deliberately reached out to me. So, mm, yeah, that was yeah. that was what she did. Yeah. It, it so resonates with us and what we do on, you know, talk about transforming lives again by doing good, by just a simple act that a 17-year-old young lady could do. There was a uh, the, the family received uh, some communication from a, a student that you'd told me about after the funeral uh, that she had also reached out to that was in one of those categories who uh, had, was, was, was wrestling with some serious stuff in his life. Yeah, uh, yeah a special needs student um, named Adam, and he's a friend of the family now, but he came to the family after the funeral and basically said, hey, the day that I met Rachel, I was standing in the hall, and two boys had knocked the books out of my hand and pushed me up against the lockers and were picking mm. on me. And Rachel saw me. She was down the hall, and she r- rushed down the hall, and she got between me and those two boys, and she put up her fist and said, if you touch him again, you have to fight me, <laughs> which is obviously wow. not something that we would recommend to uh, to students of any kind. She should have got a teacher or somebody to, to help defuse the situation. But she didn't. She got in between them, and these guys backed off. So, um, and, and she became friends. She started saying hi to Adam in the hall and she'd make a point of finding him and just making sure he was having a good day. And the other thing that she did is she reached out to her friends and she said, Hey, Adam needs a friend. You don't have to hang out with him. You don't have to, you don't have to, you know, you don't have to be his best friend, but he needs a friend. So when you see Adam, give him a high five or give him a pat on the back or just say hi to him, give him a smile. And, um, about a month later is when, uh, when Columbine happened and, um, Adam with tears running down his eyes said to the Scott family, he just said, I never got a chance to tell Rachel, Rachel, thank you. Mm-hmm. And, and, and specifically thank you because she saved my life. Adam had been picked on so much. He didn't think anybody cared about him or anybody loved him. And he was planning to take his own life. But just because Rachel stood up for him that day and got her friends to be nice to him, that's all it really took. Just right. a kind yeah. word and a smile. Um, he had changed his life. And Adam's here today, like I said, a friend of the family, because of the little things that Rachel did, and we can all do, right. to make a difference in other people's lives. Right. Oh, so I just, it just can't hit me. We could say there were lives that were saved as a result of what happened at Columbine. That's absolutely that true. 
Um, that's absolutely true, and that happens all of the time. We get we get we get thousands, literally thousands of emails and letters and cards every year. Um, this last year, we were in 647 different schools and about a million students in, in our programs, okay. students and educators. So we get in front of a lot of people with this message, which is great. Um, but we get thousands of cards and letters. But this last year, we had over 150 um, from students that were going to hurt themselves, kill themselves, but didn't because they'd gotten involved in Rachel's Challenge. So, yeah, it, does, it you know, it saves, if you, you know, that's 150 is roughly three a day. Wow. So if you yeah, think of it in right. terms of three lives a day that have been saved over the last 18, 19 years since Rachel Chance was in place, there's been a lot of life saved. Yeah, wow. That, that frames it in a whole different way. No, nobody would ever want to see that happen again. We don't want to see the school shootings have occurred, but um, even evil, even tragedy can be turned in a, in a really positive manner depending on what we're doing with it. And, and, and simple process, this, this was a unique and unusual lady, uh, young lady, she was. I guess we would say. Yeah, I happen to bring um, a, a, one of those emails that I was talking about. This one happens to be from a student in Georgia. This Great. is a middle school student in Georgia, 14-year-old student. And um, uh, she says, I was cutting myself. I have scars all over my arms and legs. My parents never wanted me. I felt abandoned, unloved, unwelcome, displaced. I was alone. I thought self-harming and suicide were the only way to get things off my mind or maybe to save myself from more heartaches. I wanted to end my life in and out of mental facilities, until I was at school one day and they spoke about Rachel and her beliefs about kindness. Hope. I had found hope. Hope for others as well as for myself. I am 14 years old and Rachel saved my life. Her story made me feel like I wasn't alone. My dad died when I was seven years old and I felt empty ever since. Never showed any emotion. Watching Rachel's challenge was the first time I cried since my father passed. I accept Rachel's challenge. You know, if Daryl Daryl would say, uh, I, I wouldn't I would do anything to have my daughter back. Sure. But I un- do also understand that there's a purpose in this, and you know, his mission in life and our mission in life as an organization is to fulfill that purpose, which is to see other people's lives changed and saved because of what happened to Columbine that day. Yeah, I, I'm struck by that line there. That uh, that's the first time she'd cried since her father had uh, passed away. Seven years time mm-hmm. she'd. Not been able to release it, not been able to share that. How much is that a microcosm of our culture nowadays if people just don't have other people to connect? That's the story that comes out with the shooters, Parkland or wherever. Is, oh, they were a loner. They were, you know, nobody paid attention. They were bullied, whatever it is. And it's a simple thing that could turn that completely around. And we, we, we as individuals can do something about it. Absolutely. Rachel's, that's what Rachel's story really shows powerfully. Um, and it's still... Yeah, her name may not be as well known um, nowadays, but the the impact seems like it's growing and, and increasing. As yeah, it, goes. it absolutely is. A question that I get a lot is, you know, Columbine is the students that we're talking to now, even the seniors that we're talking to now, weren't even alive when Columbine happened. Right, right. So people ask me all the time, is is it still relevant? And, and my answer to that is is simply the story itself. Columbine is is old is older news now because of what it was and because of you know, the imprint that it made on the United States and the world's conscious, yes. consciousness at the time, um, people still know about Columbine. I actually had a request this last week for the first time ever from a teacher to give, if, if we had a short history of Columbine that she could share with her students before we got there because students don't know don't it. Know. 
And so, yeah, I mean, Columbine, the Columbine news may be a little bit old, but the story is not old. The oh, story is absolutely relevant, and it's yes. it's as relevant today, if not more relevant, than it was when it happened. And um, as long as it's told um, with the purity intact, mm-hmm. you know, told for the right reasons, mm-hmm. um, it will stay re- it will stay relevant. So, mm-hmm. you know, Rachel died at seventeen. So when we go to stu- when we go to schools and we're talking to students, they're they're, they're hearing about a peer. They're hearing about somebody that was oh, 17, true. right? And she'll forever be 17. Right, so. right. Uh, forever 17. There were a, a lot of families impacted by uh, Columbine and fortunately now by Rachel's challenge. Uh, Rachel's brother was also at the school. He was. And he's involved in Rachel's challenge, I know. So tell us a little bit about yeah. Craig. Actually, she had, her brother Craig was in at the school. He was in the library where most of the killing and, and uh, violence occurred. Um, we, he, she had a brother, Mike, that also was involved in Rachel's Challenge as well, who was a little bit younger and was in, in uh, middle school at the okay. time. But, but, but uh, Craig was in the library, and uh, Craig, uh, he got under a desk. The, the, the teacher that was in the library asked everybody, told everybody to get under a desk. If you, we're doing a program on May 15th in our office that's an introductory event. So Daryl Scott will be telling Rachel's story at our office on May 15th. Okay. Um, and so one of the powerful stories in there is, is Craig's story. But he he got underneath the desk with two of his buddies, Isaiah Scholes and Matthew Kector, and um, the guys came over to that to the table. And unfortunately, they shot and killed Isaiah, and they shot and killed Matthew, and thought Craig was dead. Mm. Um, and uh, Craig really believed he was going to die that day. And they boys got distracted and went away and didn't come back, or the Scott family would have lost. Uh, two two, two children that mm. day, mm. and so Craig. Um, whenever Craig talks to anybody, he says he he would say if you when you get a chance to talk about Rachel or Rachel's story or what happened at Columbine or my story, would you please tell people um, to do everything they can to eliminate prejudice? And when we mean by that is just don't prejudge other people. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the 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 two shooters. Um, Isaiah Scholes was one of the, was one of the was one of the black students at at Columbine, and the, they they were insulting him with racial slurs and and uh, just moments before they killed him. And so uh, Craig got a chance to see prejudice at its worst that day. But prejudice just means to prejudge, and and so we challenge again. We don't tell anybody what to do, but we challenge students and adults. The best with the best antidote for prejudice, which is something that Rachel wrote in one of her diaries, which was to look for the best in others. You know, so if we look for the best in others, we find what we look for. So if we look oh, for that's the good. Be- say that again. We find what we look for when we look at other people. So if I look for the best in you today, I'll find it. If you look for the worst in me today, you will certainly find it. Ooh. And uh, and we have a we have a, a an ability to bring out the best or worst in other people by what we look for in other people. So it's really not about the other person, which is where a lot of our culture goes nowadays. So that's a good reminder. It's about it's about what you, we have a choice. We're not Absolutely. victims. What are we Absolutely. looking for and what are we calling out in other people? Absolutely. Henry Th- David Thoreau was one of my favorite authors said, it's not what you see that it's not what you look at that matters. It's what you see. Ah. And so we can bring out the best or worst. Others. In fact, if you think about it, and we, we, we do this with the students um, because we've just shared a really powerful story and we want to make sure that it's not overwhelming to them. We just ask them, maybe show of hands, how many of you have somebody in your life that brings out the best in you? And it's really fun to watch them. Everybody raises their hand. They have smiles on their faces. You, you, know, you can tell that they're thinking about somebody that they really care about. 
And then we ask the question, how many of you have somebody in your life that brings out the worst in you? Dude. And then everybody raises their hand and they get a whole different look on their face. There's a whole other body language around that. And then we, we just tell them, hey, keep those hands up because we're going to go around, around the room and name those people. And they all put their hands down and we're just joking, obviously, with that. But that's the lead. And we all have people that bring out the worst in us and bring out the best in us. And it's because, again, that's what they're looking for. So. Um, that's one of the things, that's one of the challenges. So that's that's that something, somebody, anybody listening to this, that's what we could do today. If you're feeling, you're sitting there thinking you're listening to this, just stop for a second and think, who brings out the best in you? And that'll, that'll change your countenance. If yep. you're having a down day, it'll uh, pick you up. And then who can you go look for to bring out the best in? Yeah, that's absolutely true. All right, let's come back. Let's, let's take this down to a little more personal level. Uh, you talked about how Daryl said he couldn't not do this, uh, which, you know, having children, Myself, I can see how that would become a big motivator. Uh, what's the impact Rachel's had on you personally, Rob, and, and your drive to do this mission? Yeah, it's uh, it's had a huge impact on my life just personally. Um, we just got done talking about um, looking for the best in others, you know, uh, realizing that the little tiny things you do and say every day can have a huge impact on other people's lives. I, you know, I, I've noticed uh, even if I'm in a restaurant, and and if I say if I say thank you and please, how, how people respond so positively to that because they don't hear that all the time. Just that little thing. Just yeah. something as small as that. Just saying thank you to people, you get a, you get a huge response. So, um, yeah, I, I, it's an it's important to me in, on a lot of levels. I also am a dad. I, I have, say, how's it changed your being a dad? Yeah, I have three. Father. I have three children, all of whom are grown, and nine grandchildren. So it's hard for me to believe that, but I have nine grandchildren. Congratulations! <laughs> Between I got eleven, so I beat you just you really? a little bit. There so, you go. Yeah. Between the ages of seven and four months. So, um, uh, here's uh, maybe the best way to say how it's affected me and how it's changed me and, and sort of why I'm still there. Cause it's, it's a, it's, you know, it's a business and all, even yep. though it's a nonprofit, we're, we're a nonprofit organization. It's still a business. And honestly, all nonprofits should be run like businesses. That's a positive thing. Um, so there are days when you're like, man, I don't know, should I be doing something else? But the letters like I wrote, read from the young, young lady right. that was going to take her own life, but didn't or, you know, or keep you, keep you going. But but one of the things that we teach that has a huge has had a huge impact on me was part of Craig's story, and that is um, Craig had a long time after Columbine he felt guilty. There's, there's, there's a he and he had ridden to school with Rachel the, the day that Columbine happened, mm. and they'd gotten in a fight in the car. So mm. the last thing that Craig ever did was slam the door on his sister. Oh my gosh! And the next time he saw her, she was in a coffin. So he had he struggled with uh, for a long time with anger and and bitterness and guilt, and he he realized one day through some help from a lot of people that he had to forgive himself, so that he could let go of that. Mm. Rachel would have forgiven him, but he had to forgive himself so he could let go and move on with his life. Mm. And then he had to forgive the boys that killed his sister. And there's huge. Oh, but the step first was he had to forgive himself. He had to forgive himself first. Ah. And then he had to forgive the boys. And it wasn't for, so that he, he didn't have to, that forgiveness really wasn't about the boys or anybody else. It was about it was about Craig being able to let go of that so he could move forward with his life. So that's a huge lesson, and that's had, had been hugely impactful to me. And the other thing that we teach, we when we have circumstances around us, no matter what the circumstances are, if we can learn to be see-throughers and not look-atters, if we can see through the circumstances at what's going on behind it, like if okay. I'm looking at you and you you're you're being mean to me or I've perceived that you're being mean to me instead of looking at that and responding or reacting to that 
if I can be, see through that and say, hey, what's going on with him? I don't have any idea what's going on in his life. If I can see through those things, my circumstances and other people, then I can look for the best in others. Um, and I can also make a difference in other people's lives. So that has had a huge impact on me personally um, to just be, be just just be able to in in my everyday life go uh, not not respond or not react to circumstances, but try to see through through those and respond. And that's a teaching that we get from a mentor of Daryl's who who basically said, "Hey Daryl, if you can learn to be a see through or not a look at her on the worst day of your life." Yeah you'll find meaning and purpose. Mm. And so that was what resonated with Daryl as he was trying to deal with what happened mm. to both Craig and, and Rachel at Columbine. Can you think of a specific place that's happened for you, either with one of the kids or uh, in a business Gosh, setting? There's a, mil- there's a million of them, I'm sure. I'll just pick one. We don't have time um, for a million. But, uh, <laughs> where um, you've been able to apply that very principle in your relationships. Yeah, you know... I love, you know, I unconditionally love and accept all of my children, but I don't always approve of everything they do. And and keeping that yep. keeping that concept of being a see through and, and and not a look at her in mind helps when you're in those situations, any situation when you're dealing with somebody that um, to look at and say, man, what else is going on in your life? You know, you've acted this way, but but let's try to figure out why. You know, I'm I'm trying not to re- react to that to that action that I disapprove of, right. I'm trying to understand what's the motivation behind that so that now I can work with you and deal with you and have a conversation with you that ultimately will help us both and not damage our relationship. Mm. So I can continue, I can disagree with you, I can I can even discipline you as a teenager, but I can still have an ongoing positive loving relationship with you because I'm trying to understand not just what happened, but why it happened. Now I found I could do that really easily with people who weren't my kids. <laughs> it's harder with your own kids for sure. Okay. So but <laughs> and this, your own and your own significant other. <laughs> yes, your spouse. Um yeah, there's just uh, there's that 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 emotional connection. Uh but this this has this has helped you in even that environment. Absolutely. Very close. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's just made me be able to not react um but but to be more thoughtful. Um and and not reacting is not the same as not acting. Right, so these, mm. a lot of things still still require action. Mm. It doesn't make everything go away or be easier or be better, but but it it makes not me reacting helps is same, not the same thing as not, not acting. acting. Right, and and it helps me realize that I'm responsible for my own responses, and that I then I therefore don't escalate situations based on my response to something else that somebody else is going through. You know what I keep hearing over and over again <laughs> in your words now, and also just Rachel's story is a theme that's through here is. You can choose not to be a victim. Absolutely. You're, you're talking about an interpersonal relationship. Absolutely. Rachel, if, if she'd lived, I guess, through this time, she with the, the foundation she had, she would have chosen not to be a victim. Her life is one that's not been where she's been left as a victim or been victimized. Uh, Craig has chosen not to be a victim of that's what right. happened. Um, and to move and to work through that in whatever ways are possible, that, that's, a, that's a constant theme. That's, that's a, I, I see that as a big issue in our culture is that, yep. How have I been victimized? How have I been mistreated? What are my rights? What are, and this is a whole different way to look at that. Yeah, it it, it absolutely is. And, and again, looking through the circumstance to try to understand what's behind it, and then taking personal responsibility. I mean, that's really what Rachel was doing. And she has lots of other writings and poems that she wrote that are really great. But she talked she talked a lot about I want to be I want to make a difference in other people's lives, and and I don't understand why other people don't as well. 
But but she was just conscious. Uh, you know, just being cognizant of things is a, is a huge plus. Yes, yeah. You know where? A part of Craig's story you and I talked about that really comes through in the in the presentations, and you, you shared an example of uh, students, how they've been impacted, but his need to forgive himself. Mm-hmm. And then talk a little bit about how uh, that element comes through and being able to forgive the, the shooters in this case and the impact it had on, I know, one young gentleman in high school that was involved in a gang that you told me about. Yes, it, Craig being able to forgive the shooters was, hu- was huge. And we share this, again, when we're in schools, we don't stand up and say, hey, do this, don't do that. Here's a formula. Do this. We we just share this. We share a story. Stories. Now we do other trainings as well, where there's more interaction, more hands-on. But, but but it's all around challenging students again to think about how they treat themselves, how they treat each other, and and how they interface with their with their worlds. And we had um, a young man come up to one of our presenters after after meeting and had a he was playing with a red bandana it was kind of almost like it was prayer beads in his hands he was okay. he was rolling it in his hands and playing with it and student waited in line for for our presenter as there's usually a long line of people that want to talk to to our presenter and when he finally got up there he he was having a hard time t- talking about this but he said listen I'm in a gang I don't want to be in a gang this is the first time that I've ever realized there's other another way to be mm. he didn't even understand that there was another another option another option and he and he took this bandana and he said, "I'm going to I'm getting out of the gang and I want you to take this, take uh, my colors." Take it with, away from and um, mm. our prisoner said, "I can't I can't do that. That's this is this is me, really meaningful to you and this is something that's part of your life." And he said, "No, you absolutely have to take this for me. This is my, the way that I'm going to break this cycle." Yes. And he handed the guy the the guy the, his. Uh, his bandana, and he still has it. This our presenter still has it to this day. But there was a gang member that got out of a gang because of being involved in, in Rachel's challenge. We were at a school, and we had a young man in a similar situation. He was a big guy. The program was over, and he was waiting for everybody to clear the room. And finally, everybody was gone, and he got up and came up to our presenter. And the principal was in the room, and the principal leaned over to our presenter and said, this guy, it's obvious he wants to talk to you, so I'm going to leave, which was, there was wisdom there. But our presenter's name was Dave, and he talked to Dave. He said, listen, Dave, I have been the biggest problem. He didn't call himself a problem. He called himself something else. But he he said, I've been the biggest problem in this school. I've picked on people. I've been a bully, and I'm a senior. And for the first time ever today, I realized that I don't want to be that way. But and I want wow. to say I'm sorry, but I don't know how to say I'm sorry. And Dave just said, "Hey, listen, you just need to go someplace and get quiet for a little while, and you'll it'll come to you. You'll know what to do." And so um, a normal day for us would be one or two assemblies, depending on the size of the school. And then we do some training for a smaller group of students to continue what what happened in the assembly. And then we do an evening event for parents and community to come in and and, and sort of so everybody's on the same page. And Dave came back to do the evening event, and the principal almost tackled him in the parking lot. And he he said, you won't believe what happened today. That young man that you talked to after the assembly this morning, the principal said, I go out every day when the, when school's getting out and I'm watching to make sure everything's going okay with the buses. You know, right. the kids are getting on the buses, everything's okay. And he said, it as, as uh, I, this young man was walking up and down in front of the buses with a sign on a big piece of cardboard that he'd written. And on this piece of cardboard, he'd just written, I'm sorry. Wow. And with tears wow. running down his face, standing out in front of the buses, as the students were coming out of the school, getting on the buses, he was just holding up this giant sign that said, I'm sorry. Uh, and the principal said, I didn't really believe in miracles until today because I'd never thought this would happen with this young man. But that's the kind of thing that we see happening um, around around Rachel's story and her challenges and Craig's story and forgiveness. Wow, powerful. 
life change occurring for people. Absolutely. I know Columbine had a huge impact. My, I have a son-in-law, Rich, who was at Columbine when the shootings occurred. It's been a traumatic event for him, but it led him to get his teaching certificate and mm-hmm. go back to Columbine and teach wow. for several years because he wanted to give back to those students. So a lot of, lot of positive impact has come out, a lot of life change that's occurred. What's your view of Rachel? How is Rachel even, you never knew her when she was alive, mm-hmm. right? You didn't know the family. How has she affected Rob Unger's life? There's a, <laughs> there's a lot of ways, you know, and, and we talk about I mean, on a, on a very spiritual level, there's things, there's universal truth in the story around Rachel's challenge, kindness, compassion, forgiveness, you know, reaching out to others. Um, so I'm a, I'm, I am a completely different person than I, than I was before I started doing this job. I tell people this sort of anecdotally that I spent 27 years in corporate America, 27 mm-hmm. years, and much of that running businesses. And uh, I can promise you in that 27 years, I never one time sat at my desk crying <laughs> with <laughs> tears running down my face. Mm. It happens regularly at Rachel's Challenge because of the kinds of things we've been talking about. Things like, you know, your son-in-law becoming a teacher because he wanted to give back. Um, so I, I'm, I, the, the truth of the matter is I am a more kind, a more thoughtful, a more aware person today um, because of Rachel Joy Scott than I, than I was before I met her. I don't want people to miss that because I have a daughter with the same middle name, but Rachel Joy Joy Scott. Scott. (laughs) And her life has brought a lot of joy to a lot of people. It absolutely has. It absolutely has. You mentioned um, your son-in-law. Just another story. Um, It's just another letter that we just got like recently. And it just says, I'm grateful to have had the opportunity to hear Rachel's inspiring words to create a chain reaction of kindness, both as a student in 2005 and, again, as a teacher this past June. I would like to commend the Scott family for creating such an inspirational message out of one of the nation's greatest tragedies. And then this person goes on to say, it's a male science teacher from Texas. He goes on to say, our country's most beloved and precious resource is our children. I became a teacher because I have chosen to try to make a difference in our world and to help our children reach their highest potential. And he he talks a little bit more about, you know, why, why he does what he does. He said, I'm reaching out to you because I'm seeking advice about how I can be, I can best help the students in my school and community so that I may, in the words of Rachel Joy Scott, go out of my way to show compassion and start a chain reaction of the same. Mm-hmm. So there's another example of somebody that was involved back in 2005 that's still being touched by her story 13 years, 13 years, later. years later. And that's my story as well. I get touched by it every single day. Mm. So yeah, it's a little different than the corporate job environment for that most people from that perspective it's a lot different right yeah right right yeah is there is there any do you have do you have a specific and you, you can mention names or not mention names but do you have a specific story of somebody where that some of those principles have been lived out for you that uh, we had to choose kindness or forgiveness yeah, or I, yeah i do I'd, I'd be happy to share one i have a situation i have I've, i mentioned i have three children and one of them is going through a process right now with a spouse that they're separating they're getting they're okay. getting a divorce and that's a very painful thing for my child yes his spouse me his mom all the family everybody involved everybody in involved. that yeah. and you know it would be would be really easy for me uh, again to react to that whole situation mm-hmm. but um, because of what i've learned 
by of Rachel of Rachel's life. All those principles we've already talked about: forgiveness, looking for the best in others, trying to be a see through her, not a look at her. All of those things have helped me to be a better dad, my son that's going through that, and a better human being to his spouse that is also going through the same okay. issue, yeah. and my wife who as the mom is you know is in the in the heat of it as well. So, I mean that's a very personal and a very um, real example of um, how the principles that we're teaching students and educators in schools every day can make an impact on our own personal lives every day. Yeah, thank you for that. It it we're we're really talking about humanity. We're talking about people. Absolutely. And we're talking about the real extremes with the story of Columbine as far as people and where they're coming from. But every day, for each of us as individuals, life happens, sometimes good, sometimes bad. And and we can either fall into victimhood or we can choose to do, live out these principles that you're talking about that Rachel just exemplified in her life. So this is this is this is real time, real, uh, real example of how things have occurred. Talk a little bit about the uh I think some people are aware. I know it's it was in the news media. I don't know if it comes through so much in the as Rachel's challenges presented. But talk kind of about the foundation of how did how did a young woman at this age develop on this the, the incredible parenting in, in right. some ways. But there's a foundation to this. Yeah, that she's is unique Rachel was a person of faith. Okay. So I mean, um, again, we we are a nonprofit organization. We're in public schools and we're schools all over the country. So we are non non political, non religious, nonprofit organization. Okay. We don't deny Rachel's faith by any means. And and I did mention earlier too that there's a spiritual component to what we tell. There there are universal truths. And so um, part of what made Rachel special was that she was far more in touch with that part of who she was than most people in general. Certainly most seventeen yes. year olds. Yes. It, it, it doesn't just happen. I mean, her parents implanted right. this into her, taught it, shared it with her. Right. There, there, there's obviously a difference that can be made. Right. But there's there's some foundational. You you just take these two principles of uh, of faith of forgiveness or unforgiveness. Right. There's a choice in those right. two elements. And how do you? A human tendency would be, oh, yeah, somebody does something wrong to me, you don't forgive them. Yeah. But a spiritual principle is no, love your enemies. Right. Yeah. We confuse we confuse forgiveness with pardon. Forgiveness is not the same as pardon. Mm. You know, you can forgive somebody and still report them. We tell this to students all the time. If, if you're in an abusive relationship or there's something going on in your life, you can forgive that person, but you still need oh, to get good. out of that. Yeah. You, you, so forgiveness and pardon are two different things. You know, acceptance and approval are two different things. I can accept somebody and still not approve of everything they do. Right. That's yes. that, you think yep. about your own kids that way. Right. I accept them. I love them unconditionally, but I don't approve of everything that happens. So there's a lot of those kinds of things that we can roll into our, our training that, again, we would call universal truth, forgiveness, pardon, acceptance, uh, approval, all of those kinds of things that we can teach that truly are life changing. And the, the fact of the matter is. Students want, I mean, people in general want some boundaries. They want some rules. So if you can't let them go completely right. crazy. But what we've seen in, in my 10 years at Rachel's Challenge, what I've seen is that um, there were three places really that, that our kids used to get the kind of training we're talking about. They used to get it, they, they got it at home. Mm-hmm. They got it in their, whatever, the, in their own faith community, whether, whatever that happened to be, right? And they would get it at school. And to some extent, all three of those institutions 
have broken down or are having so you know there are, there are challenges yeah. so there's challenges in the family there's challenges in the faith community and the school's hands are really tied around some of that stuff too so we're working with schools because kids are there legally have to be there yes <laughs> to a certain age at least eight hours a day to try to get the schools to start teaching some of these things help them teach these things in a way that is acceptable to the to the community so that they're getting it someplace. You also, you and I talked, and you said the real change that needs to occur is in the student's heart. Right, absolutely. It's a heart change. It's a heart change. It's a heart change. It's, yes, it's a connection. It's a heart change. That was the other piece you said. There also needs to be a connection, a connection to the community. Absolutely. Or to a community. Right, and, and that connection is a result of heart change, and it may be heart change of the student that was going to commit the violent act, or maybe a heart change of a student that reached out to that student that was going to commit the violent act. I mean, Rachel prevented a lot of bad things from happening. She didn't even know she was preventing from happening right. because she deliberately reached out. So um, what what we really are doing, as I said this earlier, trying to help schools create a connected community because a connected community is safer. And it's safer because some of those students that are on the fringe, if they get connected soon enough, don't keep getting more and more and more isolated to a point where they feel like they need to act out. We know of at least, we know of seven documented school shootings that have been averted because of our programs being in schools, where oh, okay. it's either been reported on the news or we've gotten a note back from the from the school. I got one not too long ago from a a, a principal who said, um, after you guys were in the school, a couple of students turned in one of their friends mm. who, who was planning to do a mass shooting in the school. Oh, thank God. And didn't because... These so that's an example of not the student got connected, but some of the other students in the school got more connected lives. and made the made it a safer, more connected school. Wow! Yeah. Now you guys speak to schools largely, but speakers are available for other organizations as well. Absolutely, right? yeah. We do a lot of we do a lot of university work, but we also do a, a fair amount of corporate work. So um, and it's everything from a keynote address where we would come in and basically do what we do in a high school assembly, the assembly portion of it, just share with a, a group of adults. Rachel's story because it's powerful, but we also do some other training kind of things that we do for corporations as well. So we can we do some training for the entire staff, and we do some uh, management training as well to just say how do we create connected in this business a safe, connected community? Uh-huh. A more connected, safer business community means you know less turnover, less absenteeism, higher productivity, and a better bottom line. So there's lots of reasons to to think about trying to do that in, in the business community. Okay, excellent. How can people get a hold of Rachel's Challenge and or you? The easiest way is to just go to our website, which is rachelschallenge.org, and it's R-A-C-H-E-L-S okay. challenge.org. And they can learn about us there, get more involved. I, I did mention that we're going to do a, a, what we call a just a preview event, just a Daryl's going to tell Rachel's story at our offices. It's open to the public for people that want to come and hear more. Uh, you can find out more about that at, on the website as well if people are interested. Okay, good. And I would just want to close with this. I just, What's the biggest takeaway for you from Rachel's challenge? Wow. You know, honestly, for me, it is that what, where, we start, where I started with this is that every single one of us, every single one of us can make a huge difference in other people's lives if we just are aware of it. And it doesn't take, it's not big things. Rachel's, Rachel said, I've had my ups and downs. I've fallen, I've, but I didn't give up. Don't give up. Basically, her life is an example of somebody that deliberately did little things, just was deliberately aware mm-hmm. and deliberately did little things every day to make other people's existence more pleasant. And if we can do that, 
we can start at that sort of chain reaction, and who knows? Yeah, and they're not random. Acts they're of kindness, not random. They're deliberate, yeah. intentional acts of kindness. That's exactly right. Yes. So let's that make that our takeaway today. Look for some opportunities to do intentional, deliberate acts of kindness and to make an impact in somebody else's life. So thanks, Rob, for sharing with us. Thanks for your ten years of getting this message out, and uh, keep it going. It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. This is Doug Osnes. You've been listening to the Highlands Ranch Lone Tree Advice Givers Podcast from Transformation Realty. You can follow this podcast on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. If you haven't yet, go to iTunes, podcast, and subscribe, rate, and review our podcast, please. Join us again, and thank you for the way you transform your lives, your communities, and the world by doing good.